mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. It is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Amen, and you may be seated. And take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3, and we're going to start reading in verse 14, go through the first verse in chapter 4. It says, for they have, verse 14, I'm sorry, these things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly, but if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Now the Spirit speaketh express, expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now, these few verses here that we have just read out of the book of 1 Timothy, Paul is writing to a young man that he has trained in the faith. And he has left Timothy the job of helping out these churches that Paul himself had started, and he left Timothy behind. Uh, one of the reasons why Paul at times was able only to be in a town for two or three weeks and leave a church behind was because there were men like Timothy who came behind Paul and was working with him. And even though Paul generated uh, a controversy and, and sometimes uh, social unrest in the town and he himself could not be there, he had men like Timothy who were behind him for months at a time and even years working with those people, ordaining the ministers in the church and giving those instructions and helping to pass them on uh, that Paul had done so that those churches could be established. You don't plant a church in weeks or months or years, I uh, met a young man at the meeting I was just in in, in uh, Rock Forest, Quebec, and uh, he had called us. And unfortunately, when he was in New York City, we had uh, so many things going on that we could not have him come and, and actually be a part of our services. But he is working on that schedule to see if he could come and be with us. He wants to plant a church in French-speaking Canada. 
And uh, that is a great ministry. And, and we were discussing a, thing, a few things, and I said, uh, you know, Brother McCoy, it only takes one thing to start a church. And he looked at me and he said, man, I'm going to hear something really good. Uh, what is it? I said, a lifetime. And he looked at me and he said, yeah, you're right. Because that's what it takes, amen? This thing of the church is not a passing fancy. It's not something that is here today and gone tomorrow. In fact, Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. It is going to be present and has been from the days Jesus walked on this earth until the day we hear the trumpet sound and He assembles that great church in heaven that is made up of all believers from all ages. Boy, I can't wait for that one. Uh, one of the things at that meeting in Canada was just the singing. Uh, they had different special groups and, and uh, boy, I mean, the place just rang. I mean, it, the intensity was almost as... Uh, just the people singing and different things. It almost got to the part where it was hurting your ears just a little bit. Uh, but that's good when you're singing out to the Lord. Amen. Uh, it was a wonderful thing. And, uh, but I can't wait till we get to that one church in heaven. Listen to all those voices. And you guess what? We'll all have perfect pitch in heaven. We won't be sliding in and out of keys. We'll know exactly what our part is. And I mean, it's going to be unbelievable. But Paul was writing to Timothy here in this passage, and he said, listen, if things come up and I'm not allowed to be with you and instruct you personally and be there, he said, I want you to know and understand how you ought to behave in the church. One time my pastor, Brother Thompson, preached a sermon on how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the church of God. Because he had a group of teenagers that would come every Sunday morning and they'd sit up there in one spot of the balcony and pass notes back and forth and be disruptive and all of that. And uh, boy, I, I was there for that sermon. Uh, there was shaking in the seats by the time he got done. And uh, uh, the, things were uh, things were different from that point. But that's not our point this morning. I praise God we don't have that problem. Amen. But we do need to get a hold of this truth and how we ought to behave ourselves. I mean, there is rules of decorum almost everywhere you go. You go to the public library. There's an unwritten rule book of how you behave in the public library, is there not? You don't pick a book off the shelf and say, And Jill saw Jane Chase spot up the hill. Ah, oh, this looks like a good book. I think, do you do that in the library? If you do, you need to change your behavior, amen, because that's not how you ought to behave yourself in the library. You're supposed to be quiet. You're supposed to be there to study and to learn things. Uh, there's a way we ought to behave in the church. And there's a lot of things going on today that give us a wrong impression of how we ought to behave in the church. And so what I'd like for us to do is just, because it goes against everything that you've heard. You turn on the television, 
and you'll hear somebody say, please tune in next week to Dr. So-and-so and the television church. If you cannot make it to services, at least you can be in our television services. Is that how you ought to behave in the church of God? No such thing. There's no such thing. It's got to be connected here. Let's, let's look what it says. He says, but if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself. In Now, look, look how he starts this. In the house of God. Have you ever visited somebody's house? And you walked in and immediately you knew you were not going to be comfortable in that person's house. I mean, when we take our crew, uh, our, our group of kids into somebody's house, I mean, sometimes, boy, it's, Stephen, don't touch this. Philip, Philip, get Philip. Hold on to that boy. Don't let him, and, and don't let Esther crawl crawl because she's going to grab those pretty little things off the shelf and they won't be pretty when she's done with them. I mean, uh, everybody, you get somebody. We take all the older kids and match them up with the younger kids and they hold on to them. If they start fussing, you bring them to me right away because we don't want the, the Montoro family to be known as homewreckers. Amen. Uh, we want the place to look the same way when we came out as when we went in. And uh, you have to be careful about that stuff. When you go into somebody's home, they may do things differently than you do. One of the things I often look for when I go in somebody's home is if I see a bunch of shoes by the door. I'll say, oh, I'll bet these people don't wear their shoes in their home. And so I always try to ask. I say, listen, would you like me to take my shoes off? And I've been in some homes where they say, oh, yes, please, here's a pair of slippers. Or, uh, yes, please, we take our shoes off. And, and, uh, but I'll tell you, you go in somebody's home and you take your shoes off and prop your socks up, sock and feet up on the coffee table, that would really be rude, wouldn't it? You see, there's this philosophy today that church ought to be like your living room. In fact, um, I heard a pastor actually tell me this. He said, listen, the people in my church, they dress up in suit and tie all day, every day of the week for their business. And when they come to church, they want to just be relaxed and, and, and take it easy and, and, and uh, kick back on the weekends. What I wanted to tell him was, Okay, so we get all dressed up to honor money and our boss. But when it comes time to come into the house of God and honor God, my t-shirt and shorts and a pair of sandals with my toes sticking out the front ought to be good enough. Does that make sense to you? Shouldn't I at least have enough respect to equal what I would do for money for God? It's not going to hurt you to dress up a little bit. Amen? Now, let's not do like some churches do where it's a fashion show. Did you see the <clears throat> garment, the tag in here? There's not one in this suit, so I can show you. Amen? <laughs> Maybe it's on this side. Oh, there is one on that side. I'll keep that one closed. 
They don't mean anything. But some people are, are just absolutely... Hang on a second here. I think I moved my... Um, absolutely trying to show... Uh, and again, is, is that honoring to God? Let me ask you, who owns the house? God does, doesn't He? It's His house. By the way, does He live in this building? Is this building His home? No, the temple of God is where? It's within you. The kingdom of God. Look not here nor there when they say the kingdom of God. Say, Behold, the kingdom of God is where? It's within you. Now, I've had many people, Pastor, do you have a dress code? I want to come visit your church. We have no dress code at all. We're not going to have people standing in the back door checking you out. That's not godly. Don't let your clothes keep you from coming to church. That's not godly. But let me tell you something. You get the inside right, the rest of it's going to follow. Amen? That's the way it ought to. When we come together as believers, guess what we're doing? We take the presence of the Holy Spirit that lives in our lives and we bring that together in this building that we have set aside for the worship of God. And we corporately worship God together. The church is the assembly of the believers. That is where God says, I will be seen. I will be felt. I mean, you ought, I've had people tell me over the years, they say, I come to your church and there's something different about it. Well, we want it to be different. We want you to know that God lives here at Open Door Bible Baptist Church. And when we as believers in Christ come together to honor Him who owns us and our assembly, we want people to know that we're not getting together to have pizza and watch a football game. I'm serious about coming to church, amen? Because it's God's house. Each one of us are living stones built up together, Second Peter, or 1 Peter chapter 2 tells us. We need to have respect for the God that owns our church. And that's the attitude, because if we get that attitude in our heart, guess what? It won't be, oh no, it's Sunday morning. I don't feel like going to church. I don't want to go to church. But if I don't go, that mean pastor is going to be calling me trying to find out why I wasn't there. So I better show up. Boy, I hope you don't do that. You ought to want to come to church, amen? It ought to be a desire to meet with the owner. I mean, we've all heard, heard stories and uh, of the poor little street urchin that 
happens to fall into the good graces of the very rich man and he brings him off the street and lets him live in the big fancy mansion and any of you ever read any stories like that I mean they're they're all over the place but the God of heaven took this little poor hell-bound sinner and saved my soul and he says you can come live with me you can meet in my until I take you to heaven to be in my real home he said you can have a trial effort at it every time you come to church and meet in my house it is a privilege to assemble together in the name of Jesus Christ and if it is if it is not that way in your life in your heart I want you to understand something very clearly today you are not behaving yourself properly in the house of God that is not according to God's rules of decorum we do not force people to come to church there are not armed guards at the door taking your name there are certain places in your world if you would walk through those doors and assemble together in Jesus' name, your name would be written down and you would hear about it from your boss when you go to work on Monday morning. You're one of those Christians, huh? Police chief just gave me your name. Said you were in church Sunday morning. You are in the kind of church that doesn't agree with what we're trying to do here. And I want you, and, and that happens, let me tell you. And has happened. There sometimes is a price to pay. But not in America, praise God. We have that freedom. And we need to know that God wants us to be here, but He doesn't force us. It's a privilege. It ought to be a joy. Because we get built up in the faith by being in God's house, being assembled together, finding out there is a greater purpose to life than just getting another paycheck, amen? That there is a reason to live. And that reason is to worship and honor God. And He has given this place. And by the way, when we all leave, this is not the house of God. This is just the place where the house of God assembles itself. Amen? There's nothing special about the stone and the brick and the mortar and all of those things. But it says, If I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. There ought to be a little awe is the word where we just stand back and realize what an incredible gift that God has given us the privilege of assembling together in His name, hearing His word, living a life according to His purposes that He cares about everything we do. Have you ever visited a real expensive mansion? They want you and they plan that visit so that you sit there and go, Wow! Wow! What, what a house this is! 
And they take you into the dining room and then they flip on the light for the big chandelier over the 50 seat table in the middle of the main hall. And you sit there and just go, ooh, look at all of that crystal. And they do that to impress you with the riches and the power and all the things that were that the owner of this house had. God says, listen, I want you to be that same way when you assemble together in my name because I'm going to be there. I'm going to show up. I mean, could you imagine what it would be like if you went to the Rockefeller Mansion, Key Cutter, whatever it is up here on the Hudson River, and uh, Mr. Rockefeller himself showed up to take you on the tour. Ooh, wow, this is his stuff. God says, listen, this is my house, and I'll take you on a tour every time you assemble together. It's an attitude of the heart, amen? And it manifests itself in our understanding. He says, That thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. And then he goes on and gives us something else. He says, Which is the church, which is the church of the living God. Now, there, there's a whole other idea there that the word church means assembly. It means coming together. It means a connection. And every time God wants you, and wants us to understand what the church is about, he, when He explains the church, He uses a picture that is very close to every one of us here today. He uses a picture of the human body. Now, one thing as I look out this morning, I can see that we have people here that care about their body. Amen. I did not smell one person as they walked into the auditorium this morning. And that's a good thing. Amen? And everyone's got their hair combed and, and, and looks good. And I mean, it, it's, it's a pleasant thing to stand up here and preach. Uh, I've preached in rescue missions. And I'll tell you, it's quite distracting at times. As you're sitting there looking over the crowd and you see one guy and you say, Man, oh... I know where that guy's been. Oh, man. And in fact, one rescue mission uh, that I was in, they had this big fan in the middle of the room that sucked all the air up from where the men that were sitting in the mission up through that vent so that you could stand to be in the same room and, and preach to them. And, and I was looking at that, trying to figure it out, and the guy tapped me on the shoulder. He said, that's to get rid of the stink so you can be in the same room with him. Now, I'm glad we don't have to do that this morning. Amen? It says, the church. The church is the body. Now, in the meeting I was just in, uh, the theme of the meeting was the changing of the guard. The pastor of the host church is, is an elderly man, and uh, he's getting ready to uh, retire, and, and uh, it's actually his son is going to be probably taking over that church, and they wanted us to preach on the changing of the guard. And, and I went through a, a sermon, and someday you'll probably get some view of it, but it was mainly directed at preachers how that 
The church is like a body. The pastor's kind of like the heart of the body. Christ is the head of the body. He controls everything. And so I preach on how changing pastors is kind of like a heart transplant surgery. And so when I was done, everybody started calling me Dr. Montoro, and we had a lot of fun with that. And someday we'll, we'll talk about that. But it says that the church, the body of the living God. Now, a lot of churches, they go in. And you go into that church, and they'll have a picture of their founder there. In fact, there's a very famous preacher from uh, the last, uh, well, actually two centuries ago, the late 1800s. His name was D.L. Moody, pastored a very large church in downtown Chicago, Illinois. They were there during the Great Fire and, and all of those things in Chicago. And, and um, somebody was asking them about different things that they're doing in the church today and and uh, the fellow looked at the picture of Mr. Moody over there and he said, now what would he think about what you're doing today? And the fellow who was in charge of things said, you leave him out of it. And uh, the pastor who was talking to him says, looks like you already have, and turned around and walked out. Because Mr. Moody's been dead 120 years, something like that, 110 years. They, they call it Moody Memorial Church today, in remembrance of their founding pastor and all of these things. But Mr. Moody's message is hardly preached there today. It's changed so much. Lots of churches change. But you know what? He, Paul's telling Timothy here. He said, I want you to know how you ought to behave yourself in the church, of, in, in the house of God. The church of the living God. I'm glad my founder is still alive. Amen. The founder of this church is still living. He is here. He's going to take us on the tour that he wants us to go on today and explore the fact that Jesus is still alive, my friends. And he wants to teach us from this book called the Bible. He wants us to understand that even though everything around us changes, he has not the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his message is the same. And we'll get into that in just a little bit, but it is the body. It is where the action happens. We're going to be talking about some things that we can do. Uh, in the bulletin, if you read it today, when I was going to Buffalo last week, I met a command sergeant major in the U.S. Army. And he, I've been able to keep contact with him, and he's given me the addresses of two units. One a Marine Corps unit in Afghanistan, the other an Army unit that's, it's in charge, it, that's led by his own son on the front lines in Iraq. And he said, if you want to do something for the troops, this is what you can do. Now, it doesn't make sense to me. He said they need socks, hot chocolate, and marshmallows. Does that make sense to you? It doesn't make sense to me. But you know what? We're going to get those guys. We're going to get them socks. We're going to get them hot chocolate. And we're going to get them marshmallows. Amen? Because that's what they said. When somebody asks for something, you give them what they need. 
And, and we want to take part in that. And I want you to, I want our church as a body to reach out to these men and, and, and to let them know, I hope you're praying for them. If you come to prayer meeting on Sunday night, we pray for them every meeting. We, not for them in specific by name. We don't know the names, but we pray for the soldiers that are there. But the body is into doing things, amen? That's why we just had a missions conference, because we want to do something for the lost people of this world. That's why we pass out tracts on Saturday afternoon. And by the way, I want you to pray. We're going to try to change some of those things because we don't want to get in a rut and, and just do the same things for the sake of doing the same things because the body of Jesus, the body, the church of the living God is not a drudgery and never intended to be. It's, it's living, it's alive, it's meant to be moving and doing things that count for God. So it's the house of God. The church, the body, the assembly of the living God. If the world is going to see God work, it's going to be because of what happens here when we assemble together. Now he says, the pillar and ground of the truth. Now, if you look at the ceiling here, you'll see these big wooden buttresses, two of them. Now, what they're there for is that big brown thing that runs through the middle, the ceiling fans hang on, goes 36 inches, three feet up into the ceiling. It's solid steel I-beam. That's what holds the roof up. On each side... Outside, in the wall, you can't see it. It's covered up by the paneling and everything that are pillars. Those pillars or columns hold up that beam that holds up the roof. Now, aren't you glad that, that those columns, those pillars are there on each side? Could you imagine the damage that would happen if that 36-inch high I-beam would happen to fall on the floor? That'd be a frightening thing. It'd be a deadly thing. It'd go right through this floor and into the basement and kill everything that was in the way. The pillars hold things up. It says that the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. We live in a world of parallel truths. There's no such thing. It is either truth or it is not truth. The church does not have the authority to modify, to change, or to alter the truth. That's not what a pillar does. All a pillar does is hold it up. And every time we come together and assemble in the name of Jesus Christ, we want to hold up the truth that's in this world. And many times people say, well, I never heard a message like that before coming here. Well, that's because you've never been where they hold up the truth, amen. But pastor, that's mean. Well, I'm not trying to be mean, honest. But it's the church's job to hold up the truth, not dictate what the truth is. 
That's why we tell you to take it home and read it for yourself so you can see what it says. Because the truth is held up by the church. That's why we don't believe and we're not messing with these uh, big uh, television advertising and campaigns and we're not involved in promise keepers and we're not involved in Billy Graham and all of these quote-unquote big things that are going on because it's not Billy Graham's job to hold up the truth. And by the way, he has not held up the truth for many, many, many years because he brings in people that teach falsehood and truth all together in the same mess. That's called confusion, my friend, not truth. The pillar holds up the truth. The truth is, if you don't get saved the Bible way, if you don't get born again, if you don't believe Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're not going to heaven. But I've been baptized. Whoop-dee-doo. Baptism never has, never will, and never can have anything to do with your salvation. In fact, you cannot have true Bible baptism until after you have been saved because it is the testimony of the fact that you have been saved. Amen? We don't change the message here. We just want to hold it up. You would not want that pillar that's holding that I-beam up to move one-hundredth of one inch in any direction. Because if that pillar started moving even a fraction of an inch, that beam is eventually going to come down. Now, it might not come down today. But it will come down if that pillar starts moving. Church is not the authority. This book is the authority. We just preach and teach what the Bible says. You say, that's such a simplistic view. Amen. Amen. If it were complicated, none of us here would be smart enough to figure it out. Amen. I mean, we're just going to do it God's way. It is to hold it up. It's not the source of the truth. We do not, the truth does not come from us. It's just what we hold forth, the word of life. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. If you're going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to do it in the church, the body of the living God. And when we assemble together, we're the house of God. We better know how we ought to behave. Amen. But then he says something else. He says the pillar and ground. Now, that word, of gr- that word ground simply means what it says. Ground, dirt. It's the idea of the foundation. It's the idea of what it rests on. Now, I, I like the idea of the electrical ground. If, uh, because it just illustrates our point here today. Uh, almost every outlet in your house, in your building today will have three prongs. It will have two flat ones and one round one at the bottom. Do you know how many lives that bottom ground plug has saved? Because when that electricity gets out of the place where it's flowing, if you're using your mixer, ladies, on the, on the countertop there, and you plug that thing in, and that motor inside starts shorting out, 
a wire phrase and that electricity starts traveling through the housing of, of that unit, if you touch the housing of that unit, you can be killed by the electricity that it takes to run your mixture. But this thing called the ground takes that electric current that's gotten out of the path where it belongs and runs it back at the speed of electrical impulse back to the circuit breaker and clicks off that circuit breaker and keeps you from getting electrocuted. Do you see the picture? You see, everybody, when they start talking about the Bible, well, that's the way you interpret the Bible, but I interpret it my own way. Well, the reason you're allowed to do that is because you're an electrical circuit that's out of control. You need to get grounded, amen? amen. So that when you get screwy ideas about the Bible, it goes back to the circuit breaker, which is Jesus Christ, and clicks the power off and said, man, that's dumb. Let's get back to the truth, amen? That's what we're, And by the way, we're not into brainwashing here, Amen? You go home and read it for yourself and you'll see that this book called the Bible has all the answers. You say, how do I deal with this and how do I deal with that? The answers are right here in this book called the Bible. And if you're plugged in and you're connected, guess what? You're not going to short circuit in this life. But a lot of times what happens is we disconnect from the ground. Man, that preacher, he thinks he knows everything. And if I ever come across that way, please forgive me. I'm a human being. I don't mean it. Because I don't know everything. But I know the God that knows everything. And I know what the Bible says. And I work very diligently to give you what the Scripture says so that you can be grounded and not end up in spiritual electrocution if we can take our, <laughs> our, our picture just one step further. It's the pillar. It's the ground. It's what holds up the truth. That's what we do in our services. It's what keeps you from getting short-circuited. And it's not because I'm just preacher and you come to me with all your questions. No, we, we want you to learn how to go to the Bible and get your own answers for your questions. Amen? We want you to grow in the faith and become strong in the faith so that you can get those answers. But I'll tell you, um, uh, I'm, I'm here and I love to answer people's questions and I want to take you to the parts of the Bible that will give you the answers to the problems that you're facing. Because we're the body. We have to work together. If one part of your body starts doing its own thing, you're in trouble. It's like going into somebody's home and being disrespectful to that home, the house of God. These are the pictures here today. We've got to behave ourselves accordingly. This house belongs to God, not to us. It's His body. We better make sure that we're getting... We're connected to the head and we're doing what the head is telling us. Amen. The head is Jesus Christ. We got to understand that it's not our job to determine the truth. It's our job to hold it up. God has determined what is truth right here. It's our job to be connected to that truth so that when false truth, when lies come our way, we can stop that 
uh, loose electricity from running around and doing damage. Verse 16, we're almost done. It says, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. The church is the revealer of the mystery of God. Excuse me. The mystery of God. Here's the mystery of God. It says, God was manifest in the flesh. That's a mystery, my friend. But when you know the answer to the mystery, you don't need to know how it was done, just the fact that it is done. Amen? God was manifest in the flesh. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. He came down here and He showed us His life. It says justified in the Spirit. The things that Jesus did can only be attributed to the work of the Spirit of God in His life. How else could He open the eyes of Him who was born blind, make the lame walk, the deaf to talk and to hear? How in the world could Jesus raise the dead if it were not the power of God in Him? Justified in the Spirit. Scene of angels. The angels give testimony to what Jesus did. They're smart enough to understand. Why can't we? Amen. Preached unto the Gentiles. The vast majority of us here today are Gentiles. We are not of Jewish heritage. Some of us are. That God would care about the people that never belonged to Him. That He would call from us Gentiles a people that belongs to God. That's a mystery, my friend. But praise God, He's done it. Amen. It says, believed on in the world. Isn't that a wonderful thought? Remember the day you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? Sometimes we just got to go back and remember. And it'll teach us how we ought to behave in the house of God. Amen. Received up into glory. Guess what? He's coming back. With his going into glory came the promise that he's coming again. It says, He that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. The, that, that idea that Jesus has gone up into heaven and he's coming back, you say, when is he coming back? Well, that's the mystery. We don't know. We just know that he is. We better be ready. Amen. And then verse 1, it's a revealer of the mysteries but included in that revealing of the mystery of God, it is a protection against the false teachings that claim to come from God. Speaking, it says, Now the Spirit speaketh, expre speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to the seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. I thank God for everybody that's here this morning. But I'll tell you, you can go to places where there's a whole lot more people and they all talk about Jesus. But is it the truth? Or is it a social club? Or is it a place where you can come so you can actualize and realize your desires and your wishes for your life? 
That's not godly, my friend, because it's the house of God, not your house. His rules, not yours. It is the church of the living God. He is alive today. He is the one that's supposed to be running things. He is the one that controls us and helps us understand how we ought to live and we're connected to Him. We're welded in. We're part of Him. And by the way, we're part one of another. Amen? We ought to care for each other and help each other and work together to serve God. It's the pillar and the ground. It holds the truth up. And it keeps all this wacky stuff from destroying people's lives. They tell me, uh, statistics tell us that the Mormon church is made up of somewhere between 70 and 80% people who used to go to a Baptist church. That is a frightening statistic. Why? I mean, do you know what the Mormons believe? It's unbelievable. How in the world? You're going to have your celestial harem and your own planet so that you can make spirit babies for the people that live on your planet. You talk about nuts. Now, they won't tell it to you that way because if they did, you'd say you're a bunch of freaks and get away from them. But they put it nice and smooth and people who once had the truth lose the ground and by the way, they were people who probably thought they had the truth and never did. Because once you have the real truth, you can never be lost. Amen. You've got to get connected. And it'll keep you going. We, we need to live our lives realizing that there's a lot of things about life we do not understand. But there's enough that the Bible teaches us about the mysteries of God that we'll spend the rest of our life trying to live them. And don't worry about the things you don't understand. Amen? I don't understand why innocent people have to suffer. But I'm not going to accuse God of not caring about those people because He was manifest in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, seen of the angels, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. He warned me about false doctrine right here in these verses written almost 2,000 years ago. So, we'll just keep doing what God wants us to do. Amen? Because we need to learn how to behave ourselves. There are things to do. And what we're trying to do this morning is you and I are, need to be working together to bring an offering of praise. That's why we sing the songs we sing. An offering of the surrender and the humiliation of ourselves. That's why we're going to have a time of invitation in just a few moments. You say, Pastor, I can never walk forward and kneel and pray. I can't do that. Why, why do you want me to do it? It would be embarrassing. It's part of that humbling of ourselves that we may lift Him up. Amen? That's what worship is all about. 
That doesn't mean everybody's got to come forward every service. You let God do His work in your life. Amen? We're to serve the Lord His way because it's His house. Not the building, but what we have right here, right now. It is the pillar and ground of the truth. It is where we'll understand what we need to know to live for God during this week. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. And we just simply ask you to do your work. Lord, if we've gotten and I, you, I confess to you, as you know, there are times even when, when as a pastor, we get callous and just going through the rituals. And Lord, that's not the way we ought to behave in your house. And Lord, I've asked you to forgive me for that and I ask you again that, that we may just be your servants. Lord, we pray that we would never lose that holy hush of realizing that as we assemble in your name that you've promised to be with us in the midst and that you want to work and be worshipped right here at Open Door Bible Baptist Church. We ask that the body would be healed of, of spiritual diseases, Lord, that we would not be lethargic and, and slow in responding to the directions that you have given us. Lord, that we would strive together to reach out to this world and reveal the mysteries, to hold up the truth, to stop the lies and the false teachings, and to realize the world is going to be full of false teaching. But there ought to be a place where we're safe, and that place is right here. Lord, we ask that we would make decisions to live for you, your way, this day. And from this day forward, you would have the freedom to change our behavior and the way we think that we may bring glory to your name through what we do as well as the condition and the belief and the attitudes of our heart. We ask you to work, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. The hymn of invitation is 558. And as we sing these words, you ask God what He would like to change with you and in you. And if you have something that needs to be dealt with, that's what these altars up here at the front are for. If you're not saved today and you'd like to surrender to the Lord, we have people that will take this book called the Bible and show you how you can know your sins are forgiven and heaven is your home. As we sing, would you come? Have you failed in your plan of your storm-tossed life? Place your hand in the nail-scarred hand. Are you weary and 
from its toil and strife. Place your hand in the nail's hard hand. Place your hand in the nail's hard hand. Place your hand in the nail's hard hand. He will keep to the end. He's your dearest friend. Place your hand in the nail's hard hand. We'll just let the piano continue to play as these here are praying. If you need to come, there's still time for you. God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. And of course, as we say every service or most every service, if for some reason you just could not come, um, please take the opportunity to meet with me at the end of the service and we'll We'll make a time when we can meet together and, and not be constrained with uh, limits and, and different things going on, but uh, would just ask that you would uh, uh, give us that opportunity to open the Bible and help you find the answers to those questions. Um, we need to, we talked about this last Sunday morning, if we could have uh, a business meeting, I don't believe it'll be very long. It doesn't need to be, but uh, uh, we just need to make a decision about some financing and different things that we have talked about. Uh, why don't we give it about five minutes after we sing our song, and we'll just meet right over here in this corner, and, and I will do the very best that I can. Uh, I have talked to several people uh, who, uh, because of work and different things, could not be here today and try to explain to them what what we'll be dealing with there. But uh, members, if, if we could just uh, take a few moments, I, I don't believe it'll uh, be very long, but uh, we, we need to discuss some uh, things. Um, please, uh, ladies, tomorrow night, uh, our, our monthly ladies fellowship, uh, singles Friday night. Uh, last time, uh, we only had two singles show up, so let's see if we can do a little better than that. 
and uh, invite you to be out for that. Saturday morning is our teen meeting, and uh, if you say, I'd, I'd like to do something, but passing out tracks is not my, my thing on Saturday afternoon. Uh, well, this Saturday afternoon, we'll be trying to individually package. Uh, we have about 60 men that we want to make packages for, and uh, we'd like to wrap the socks and the hot chocolate and things. And, and uh, one of the things that would I think would really make it special is if different members of our church would just write a little note. You don't know the soldiers, they don't know you. Uh, make sure you do one thing, okay? Uh, do not call a Marine a soldier, and do not call a soldier a Marine. It's, it's really, uh, it's insulting to them. Uh, they would probably forgive you for it, but it would just be better if we didn't do that, amen? Uh, so, uh, if you want to just mark somewhere on your note, Army or Marine Corps, and make sure you put the appropriate addresses inside. Uh, most of these men, all of these men will be enlisted men. They're just regular, uh, uh, just regular people who have, have dedicated a portion of their life to the service of our country, uh, 10,000 miles away from home. And he said they need socks. And so just so that everybody gets the same thing, is uh, if it's okay, we'll we'll probably just discuss it in the business meeting. But I'll run over to BJ's and we'll get all of this stuff, and then we'll just package it together and 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 get that out as soon as we can. It'd be nice if we could get it there by Thanksgiving. Uh, if we could package it all up Saturday afternoon, run it to the post office Monday. There's a chance with the uh, way the mail is delivered to our military men that they could actually get that in two weeks. Uh, and so. Uh, be in prayer. Now, Sunday, I mean Tuesday, November 22nd, we've moved our Thursday night service from Thanksgiving Day to the Tuesday before, so that we'll, we'll, that night we'll be having just a special Thanksgiving service. Uh, it's always a, a, a very uh, wonderful time, and so we'll be doing that, and then uh, the following Sunday, the last Sunday night of this month, Brother Franz, uh, we'll be having the entire evening service. Uh, I'm just going to sit in the back or toot my saxophone along with the song service or whatever, but uh, it's going to be Brother Franz's service that night, just as it was. I had good reports for, from Brother Ted on Thursday night and uh, those that were here, and so we, we praise the Lord for that. It's part of our job as a church to help these men grow and develop into the preachers, my wife and I were discussing. I said, do you remember some of the sermons I preached when I was first pastor of this church? I mean, these guys are so far ahead. Uh, and and that's, that's what we want, amen? We want these men to be prepared, uh, not have to uh, weary the patience of people for several years until God gives them the grace to grow <laughs> the way they need to be. Uh, we're trying to do that as a church so that when we send them out uh, as God directs, and I, I, I really hope that's not soon, amen. I'd, I'd rather it be a little later, but we'll, we'll follow the Lord. That's what the body does. And so if we could uh, take care of those uh, things, uh, that would be a wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, service to the Lord. If we could have our ushers come at this time, we'll receive this morning's offering.
Amen. Brother Teddy, would you ask God to bless the offering? Amen. Let's stand together. 705 if you need the words. Remember, just five minutes and we'll meet right here, just the members, very, very briefly this morning. Take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. It will joy and comfort give you. Take it then where'er you go. Precious name, oh how sweet, hope of earth and joy of heaven. Precious name, oh how sweet, hope of earth and joy of heaven. Thank you for being with us this morning.
Miss Ann, would you mind taking notes for us? I got two pens. All right. Uh, if we could <clears throat> call the meeting to order, and let's just open with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the opportunities that you have presented to us as a church, and we ask that you would be with us during this time to follow you and, and make the decisions that you would have us to make. In your name we pray. Amen. The, um, if you'll remember, uh, we talked about uh, refurbishing the basement last year, and uh, we actually had someone that was online or had agreed to come and help us. Some things have changed, and I'm not sure that the man that promised us uh, the help is going to be able to follow through on that. But uh, here is the reasoning behind what the reason why we're trying to do these things is uh, we have this big room up here and one big room in the basement and these two small rooms right here. And uh, if we get over 20 people, if you've ever been in this chapel room here, you get much over 20 people in there and, and it is really crowded. And uh, so uh, the thing that we're looking at doing is putting a soundproof uh, movable partition in the basement so that we could have three separate meeting rooms going on at the same time in the basement. Uh, I've already checked with an architect and uh, he said if we uh, do it the way that we're planning on, we will not have to even file with the building department because we're not changing egress in any way and uh, we're, not, uh, we're not making any alterations in the fire escapes and all of that. Uh, he said it would be very simple for us to do and it would give us up to three rooms downstairs, two that would hold 50 and one that would hold uh, just over 100. And then with just a few minutes work, we would move the partitions out of the way and we would have the whole space to have big dinners and fellowships and wedding receptions and all of those. Uh, we got some quotes several years ago uh, about doing that and they came in at about $30,000 for the petitions. They are not cheap. Uh, but if you try to make something yourself and, and it, it's not going to be code, it's not going to work very well and it's going to look uh, terrible. Uh, if we do it and have it done, it, it will look right. We'll have to put a new ceiling in, a drop ceiling in the basement. Uh, we'll insulate the sounds, new lights. Uh, we're going to look at the heating in the basement uh, because we set the thermostat up here and we're cooking up here and they're cold downstairs. And, and so uh, all of those things have to be taken into consideration. Now, we do not have $50,000 sitting in the bank to, to do this thing with. And uh, what I have here is an offer I've gotten in the mail uh, for an unsecured loan of up to $100,000. Uh, we're not having to mortgage the building. We're not having to hire lawyers and do the closing. Uh, the rates are going to be, what is it, prime plus two to prime plus four and a quarter percent. 
no business can borrow money at that rate that cheaply with a commercial mortgage these days. So we can borrow the money cheaply, uh, we can pay it back between five and seven years, and uh, you say, uh, Pastor, do we have the money to do that? Well, every month the Spanish uh, language church gives us $600 a month, and Brother uh, Shaw in the Portuguese language church gives us $500. That is almost the entire mortgage payment. And uh, this is something that they would benefit from actually more than we would. But if our children's church grows to 20 kids, we could actually move the children's church downstairs and, and continue seeing growth all the way around. It's, it's something that is, is going to be necessary. That's going to be around, the figuring is around $50,000. The other portion is what we're talking about is our church van has 136,000 miles on it. Uh, we have had several very expensive repairs in the last year and uh, we're looking, there, there's something in the drivetrain. Now I'm a mechanic, but I don't know if it's in the transmission or it's in the rear end, but there is something in the drivetrain and if that goes, we're looking at a four to $5,000 repair. The van's not worth $5,000. It looks nice, drives nice, we've kept it in very good shape, but uh, what we need to do is we need to do some research because of problems with the insurance company and, and vehicle rules and all of this, but uh, so basically, you know, what I would like for us to do is take care of the basement and then an additional somewhere between twenty-five and $30,000 to get a new vehicle for the church so that we're not just, you know, Ford stands for fixer repair daily. Uh, they get to that point and uh, we've had vehicles in the past where I have literally taken two or three days every month working on the vehicle to keep it on the road and uh, honestly, I, I uh, I'm asking you, please, let's not do that again. That's, that's, uh, it hurts everything when we do that. And, and as many of the jobs as we need to be done in the basement as we can, some of the work we're going to do ourselves, but some of it I would like for us to hire out and let people work so that, uh, you know, I don't mind being the chief contractor, but I don't want to be the chief worker as well. We, we need to, the roof was one thing. We, we couldn't hire people to do the work that we did, but down here, uh, it's not going to be near as critical. Putting up sheetrock, anybody can do that. And a lot of that stuff we'll still do ourselves, but we need to put in a drop ceiling. We're going to have to do uh, some things. And uh, the reason why we're bringing it up today is because this offer expires tomorrow. And, and I did not want to mess up our missions conference by talking about borrowing money. Uh, and, and so that's if, if it acts like I'm hurried. And, and if we decide as a church that we don't need to hurry, I'll throw this in the trash can. I'm not going to feel one bit bad about it. But this is an opportunity for us to borrow the money, borrow it cheaply, and uh, to just go forward with these things. Uh, it's Capital One. It's, it's through the credit card our church has. 
It, they're the same company we borrowed the money from when we built the apartment, but they only allowed us to borrow $15,000 that time. Uh, this time they, they like us. They're, they said we're approved for $100,000. And uh, the amount that uh, I would like for, I think that we need to borrow is going to be about $85,000. No, for the basement and the vehicle. It'll be 50 for the basement around 50 for the basement and then 25 to 30 for the for the van and then just because we can't figure things was thinking about adding an extra five thousand dollars and if we don't use it we just dump it back on the loan and pay it off early no like I said, the, they'll have an auditorium downstairs that they can seat 100 people in. Right now, they're only running about 35 or 40. And uh, it'll also help with the heating and, and all of those things. It, it's just, it's a lot of things that have, need to be done. Uh, we're also probably going to have some major expenses again with this wall on the outside come spring. I'm not sure what we're doing, but... Uh, I'm working with the contractor that did it the first time and trying to get him to do it uh, the right way, but it's still going to cost us a little bit there. But uh, those, those are the basic things. So uh, I guess the way to do that would be, number one, to entertain a motion to borrow up to $85,000, and then we can... We have... A $12,000 contingency fund, if you'll remember, we had six months payments in the bank, and several years back we voted not to touch that money for any reason, unless, you know, if we have some catastrophe, if the boiler blows up, if, if something, uh, uh, we borrowed that money to pay off the building, but then we paid it back. And we also have about... $7,500 that's actual savings on top of that. And that's what we would use to supplement if we have cost overruns and things with the money we would be borrowing. Yes? We would be looking to purchase a newer used vehicle. Uh, it is the most economical thing to do. Well, that's the, it, there's a lot of rules and regulations with the insurance. They've told us that they're not going to insure another 15-passenger van uh, unless it's like school bus ready or something along those lines. And so we're going to have to look into those vehicles. The problem is if you have a real school bus vehicle, then it comes under DOT regulation. If it has double wheels in the back, then they charge us double tolls on the bridges. And, it, and I've called the insurance agent. I said, you figure this out because we're going to be buying a new van in the next two years and, and we don't want to buy something and you tell us you're not going to insure it. And so we're... Okay. As soon as I find them, but there's... As you know, there's no use going and looking at things until you're ready to purchase because everything changes all the time. And, uh, and I want to pin the insurance company down and get something in writing that says, hey, 
this is, this is what you're going to do. A brand new 15 passenger van, just so you know, is $36,000 to $40,000 for uh, a 15 passenger. And um, we, we need something that has somewhere in that neighborhood of capacity so that if we're going somewhere like to a preacher's meeting or something, uh, uh, I'm sorry, you have a pastor with a large family. There's uh, 12 of us now, and I guess this is as good a time as any. Number, th number, tw number 11's on the way, so um, <laughs> if, yeah. And so if we, if we get a 12-passenger van, I can't even put the family in it. Right, and if we get the wrong kind of configuration, I have in my head the vehicle that'll work, but I don't know if it exists yet or not. I've got to go find it. Uh, yes? Pardon? No, no prepayment penalties, no collateral, no financial statement, and no application fees. Yeah, it'll be a... Uh, it's a variable rate, but it's not going to exceed prime plus four and a quarter percent. So, um, yes. Yeah, it's actually four and a quarter, I'm sorry. So, um, I guess the first thing to do would be to get a motion and a second, and then we can finish any discussion that we need. Okay. Okay, so Ann makes the motion, and Achilles gives us the second. Um, is there any more discussion? Because we don't, I'm not trying to pull this thing off uh, anyway. I don't want to rush us. It's just that I have this offer here. It expires tomorrow, and if we could capitalize on it, it, it might just be the way for us to go. And if we do get a vehicle donated, we just d dump it right back on the... Well, um, let me, uh, give me a week or two. We're not, I don't have a vehicle in mind. Uh, we're going to be researching, and, and just so that uh, you understand, before we make any, sign any contracts, like for the installation of the petitions in the basement, I'll bring those contracts back to you, just like we did with the pew pads and things, and, and get a final approval before we actually spend the money. And um, uh, is that acceptable? Well, you know, certainly the basements are improving and everything that, yes, uh, I think, yes. And if there is a vehicle lift, it's about a vehicle. So could you what? borrow two? What? It's it's um it it is a lot of money it it really is um you know uh, we bought that van in 1999 for $20,000 just to give you an idea so we're not talking about a vehicle is an expense it's not an investment it it always costs and uh you know uh, we we personally as a family I have no vehicle at all if if something were to happen, uh, my wife would have to rent a vehicle to to move out of town so the no pa new pastor could move in. Uh, 
but if I had to have my own personal vehicle and the church had to have its vehicle, our church couldn't afford that, and, and nor, nor do we want to, to, to even go that route. Um, but what we're looking for is, you know, we do go to fellowship meetings. Um, uh, we have taken people clear out to Oklahoma City on several occasions to be in the Heartland meetings. Um, we've got a men's meeting coming up in March in, uh, in Montreal that I want as many men, the men that went with us last year, man, that was a meeting, wasn't it? And the same preachers are coming back. And, and so we'd, we'd like to have a vehicle that we can just hop in and we can go and, and we can do those things. Uh, I've, I've owned, uh, some of you remember the old yellow van? And uh, you traveled with us in that old yellow van and... Uh, uh, it's something that we can do and and not really put the church in in financial hardship to do it it's it's not going to if if we went down to the dealership and tried to buy something we'd be looking at 5 or 600 dollars a month in payments that's half of what we're going to be paying here to get $80,000 and fix up the basement and buy a vehicle. That's why I want to do it this way. It's just cheaper. And when we show up at the dealership with money, say, how much do you want for this vehicle? And they say one price. I say, well, what if we just pay you today? They're going to be going, we can, we can deal with them that way. It's, it's just cheaper. We'll get the best deal that way if we have to buy. If we have to buy. So are, any other questions? And again, before we buy something, we'll bring it in and show you a picture of it and get, get church approval before we do that. Any other questions? And it's, it's really... If, you know, it's if we're on a if we're on a long range trip, just to give you an idea, if we're going to Oklahoma and the transmission blows, we'll be seven or eight thousand dollars to repair the vehicle. Uh, we miss the meeting, we have all kinds of problems, or we have to go to a dealership in town and just buy whatever we can, and that's when you really get the shaft. Or you have to spend thousands of dollars to rent a vehicle and abandon that vehicle, and, and you have nothing when you're done. Yeah. And that's, I was ordering a medium size. I didn't want to go in a little one and have a crash and be killed. So I, I was just a medium size. And, they want, and I, I couldn't do it. So we had to make some arrangements of me getting out by bus. But that's, that's the way rentals work. It's, it's just throwing. What I'm saying is we need to maintain some type of vehicle for the church. 
we, we have too, too many things going up, picking up people for team meetings, uh, just the regular things, traveling to, to meetings in other churches. Um, and what happens is a vehicle reaches a point to where you're, uh, that old yellow van that we had, we were spending between three and $500 a month in repairs, plus all the time to keep it on the road. And if we, we're going to borrow the money cheaper here than we will if we waited because the problem is when, when you go to a bank and talk to them about a loan, they want to loan us a half a million dollars with an $8,000 a month payment. And we can't afford to do that. We don't need that kind of money. And it's, it's not going to help us. Well, what I'm saying is this is cheaper than doing it that way. We would be paying three to $5,000 just for lawyer fees if we, refine, if we borrowed the money against the building. We actually won't need any more help than what we're doing here. No, no, the mission money does not get touched for anything but missions. And uh, like I said, the money that we're going to be using for the most of this is, is money from the Spanish and the Portuguese language churches. They're going to be making up 80% of our loan payment and a couple hundred dollars a month on our part. And if, if our offerings continue as they are, we should be able to put a couple hundred dollars extra every month on this thing and pay it off even in five years. That's my goal. And, uh, and I, you know, we're not trying to, to do anything ridiculous here, but if, if you were trying to buy a halfway decent used car, you're talking about eight or $9,000 for a four-passenger car. And insurance and, see, if we buy this through the church, the church owns the vehicle, uh, we only pay $1,500 a year for max full coverage insurance. If, if I were driving that van and I have the be had the best rates that State Farm had, I was paying that much uh, eight years ago on the yellow van just for liability. And, and so this is, we're paying about a third the price of the regular insurance that we would normally be paying. And uh, it, it'll just be a lot cheaper if we go this route. And uh, if, if you have any questions, I'd be happy to show you the math, but I don't have it all right in front of me here. I'm sorry. Probably should have done that. But, uh, Ann? Six hundred from Iglesia Baptista International and five hundred a month from from the New Life Baptist Church, uh, Igreja Nova Vida. I think. Did I say that right? Oh, good. So, um, um, you know, any, any other questions as to to this? And I mean, if if somebody, I, I don't know where you know businesses cannot churches are considered a business until you go into the bank and ask to be treated like one. Uh, you cannot go into the bank and borrow money as a church. There is not a, hardly a bank in the city that would even talk to you. Uh, and they only talk to you if you want to borrow $500,000 or more. And that's 
absurd. We don't, we don't want to go there. Here we can take care of everything we would need and, and literally if we make these additions in the base, basement as we're talking about the Portuguese and the Spanish language churches will be able to literally double in their size and we will be able to grow and increase in what we're doing uh, as well. So uh, I guess it's time to call for a vote unless there's any other questions. Okay, all in favor, uh, I guess hold up your right hand. Okay, uh, that looks like a good majority. Any opposed? Okay, and don't be afraid, we're not, okay, no, no, no negative votes, so um, it's passed and I'll let you know how this thing progresses, all right? And um, thank you very much.